So why are so many pastors silent on the critical moral and cultural issues of the day? It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown, your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Michael Brown is the director of the Coalition of Conscience and president of Fire School of Ministry. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. I am holding in my hand... An article, Pastor Rebukes the Silent Pulpit, unloads after New York vote, meaning the New York vote on abortion. This pastor says, pastors, we are not just cheerleaders, we are game changers. We are called to stir and convict and to convict so that change takes place. Granted, there are many wonderful pastors and churches. I appreciate their ministry, but as a whole, the church has drifted off course. They have lost the compass of truth. This is the voice of Pastor Shane Eidelman, founder and lead pastor of Westside Christian Church in Southern California, and a man who has been speaking loudly and clearly, calling for revival, preaching against sin, but doing so with a broken heart. And he's on the air with me today. Shane, thanks so much for coming back on the line of fire with us today. Hey, Dr. Michael Brown, it's great to be on because I know we share a very similar passion in this and hoping we can unload or uh, unpack, I should say, a controversial topic right now, especially in churches. Yeah, and you've been on Fox News talking about these things. You've been in different settings. But as we've interacted a lot, especially via email, one thing I know about you is that you say what you say with a broken heart, not with a self-righteous, stone-throwing heart, but with a broken heart. Tell me about the inside of Pastor Shane Eidelman. What, what's going on in terms of your heart when you meet with God, when you pray, with your, when you fast? What's going on inside of you that, that burdens you so deeply? Well, I think to make a very long story short, God brought the prodigal son home when I was 29, 30. And what I mean by that is just totally broken uh, because of my sin, because of my past, and just uh, a work of the Holy Spirit took place, a deep, deep work. And from that came a desire to read the Word of God, a desire for worship, just a hunger for the things of God, uh, which is obviously a byproduct of somebody being filled and transformed by the work of the Spirit. Now, from that then also came this boldness, Um, and I wasn't really prepared for it because I was a motivational speaker. I was, uh, you know, uh, Mr. Nice Guy and loved to please people and of course, when you're trying to please man and God, that that's not going to mix. So, nope, nope. From that came this boldness and um, uh, just a broken heart. Because, uh, and and if I get off track, just get me back on. But yeah. What, yeah. We're seeing, what we're seeing is either one side or the other. You are seeing those heresy hunters, those Pharisees. I mean, you get the criticism. I get it too. You know, if you're identified with anybody or, or thing, and they just all they want to do is is pick you apart. They they scream at those struggling with homosexuality and. They're just, they're just so arrogant and Bible thumpers, and it, it, it doesn't do anything. But then you have the other side that we're seeing where the pulpit is basically silent on moral issues and trying to find that middle ground. So to answer your question, God just did a deep work, and I do try to spend a lot of time in prayer, a lot of time in fasting, something we don't talk about <laughs> much anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, And, and the, here's what I've noticed, and this is, this is what people will notice in their own life, too. The closer I draw to God through, through brokenness and prayer and fasting, 
the bolder I become. And the less I draw closer to God, and, you know, you're too busy, you're, you're, you're maybe watching things you shouldn't be watching, you're busy even in ministry and good things, and, and that relationship with God begins to suffer, I, I don't grow as bold. Uh, about cultural issues, I, I tend to, you know, you start to gravitate towards what you're, what you're feeding your mind with. Where are you feeding your mind with the things of God or the things of the world? So, yeah. my, 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 my whole stance is not necessarily a rebuke to all these pastors. It's a, it's a plea. It's a tear-stained plea because I can be right there with them. You, you start to want to plead people, and the question would be: Are you spending time broken with God, filled with God's Spirit? Because out of that, you will have this boldness. Now, there's different callings. You know, what God's called me to do is probably a lot different than what your last guest was on last week, Pastor Stanley. You know, they're good, they're good, there's a different calling to what God's ah, called. Yeah, that, yeah. actually, that was that was an earlier broadcast that we, we replayed at the beginning of the year. Oh, gotcha. But, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, just so my listeners aren't confused. But just to, yeah, thank you. to, yeah, to dig in a little deeper here, Shane, again, I, I know your heart, your burden in prayer and fasting, and, and that you communicate with me with, with a brokenness and, and with a pain. And when folks read your articles or, or hear you preach, I, I believe they'll, they'll feel that. I've seen you interact, say, in a debate setting, and, and you're compassionate towards those you're differing with, whether it's an atheism evolution thing or, or something about a social and cultural issue. And yet we, we share a, a, a deep concern that in so many ways— the the pulpits are silent on these difficult issues. And this is where our congregants live. This is the world they live in. They want to be equipped. So you recently wrote an article about the abortion law, and the thing went viral, correct? Yes, it did, yes. So shared shared hundreds of thousands of times? Three. Well, last I checked, uh, 330,000 in about five days. Okay, so that's that's a lot of shares for an article. I've, I've only had a couple of articles over the years that were shared on one website more than that in, in that period of time. That, that's a lot of shares for an article. What does that tell you then about people, the flock, the congregant, believers, wanting to be equipped, wanting to hear this message? What does that tell you when something that intense gets shared so much? Well, I think in a lot of it, of course, you know, is in the is in the title that you draw people in. It was the title was thunderous applause. Thunderous applause. We can now kill our children at nine months or something along those lines, and that's kind of what what sparked Fox News contacting me and different things. But you, I think I saw this on one of your videos recently that ninety percent. Barna said that ninety percent of our our members are saying, "Pastor, please speak out. Be that voice of hope. Be that beacon, pointing people back to the truth." say something, but then only 10% of the pastors are. Uh, so that's that's the big challenge. And I know, and you know, just articles calling the pulpit to brokenness and even interviews like this, which I love. And you know that to, to really scratch the surface, you need that awakening of God, that revival spirit. The hope is not in 2020, it's in, it's in 714, you know, 2 second, second Chronicles 714. So I think believers need to be praying and fasting that God would bring a spirit of brokenness and humility and just break these pulpits, especially the major pulpits in our nation, if they could start proclaiming uh, the truth. And there are a lot, you know, such as Dr. Jack, uh, Jack Graham. I'm, I'm down here by John MacArthur and uh, Jack Hibbs, Pastor Jack Hibbs and Chino Hills is closed. Yeah, Jim Garth, always speaking Jim, out. And, you know, I was, yeah. ple- I was pleased to see uh, my friend Robert Morris at Gateway yeah. in Dallas issued a statement concerning the the abortion law. 
Carl Lenz in New York that some have accused of being uh, soft on, on abortion because of an appearance on, on The View. Uh, he issued a, a statement saying that it's, it's demonic and sinful. I mean, very, very clear. So there are leaders speaking out. I, I'm, I'm sorry to say, though, that in some cases, it's taken something this extreme for some to speak out. I don't mean the ones I just mentioned, but others finally getting on board. You wonder, what have we been doing for decades? There's How many millions of babies have to be slaughtered in the womb before people wake up? And, and how do we view those who, during the days of slavery, didn't speak up for whatever reason, didn't speak up, didn't speak out? Was it too costly? Were they going to lose popularity, lose finances, maybe have their lives threatened? We don't, we don't look back at them with favor. We would look back at them and say something was wrong. And yet here we have our own situation. It's always look easy to look back at previous generations and, oh, they should have done that. Or people in other parts of the world, they should have done that. Well, I'm always thinking about, what about me here and now? I'm responsible. And what about the message of, of liberty and freedom from sin? We've got to preach against sin, the ugliness of it, the bondage of it, the finally nature of it. But then isn't, can't we also preach not just against sin, but preach liberty in Jesus so that our churches are known where people can come and get set free? Well, you're absolutely right. And I think the biggest critique or criticism I receive, and with, with an article like that, you're going to get some, of course. The, the thing I keep hearing, even from Christians, is pulpit uh, politics does not belong in the pulpit. But to me, that doesn't make any sense. It's all about the gospel, they say. Well, the gospel is what? The good news, that we are sinners saved by grace. And once the gospel changes my heart, I want to make a difference. I want to say that you cannot remove children limb by limb from the womb. I want to say God's Word has something to say about gay marriage. It it has everything to say about that. And really, the elephant in the room, I know you're not opposed to talking about this, but most pastors are looking at the numbers. I'm going to lose people. I'm going to lose givers if I go this route. So what they need to start doing is spend time with God and say, I don't care what it costs me, Lord. I'm going to speak your truth. Fill me with your spirits. Fill me with the spirit of boldness so we can make a difference. And that's really what's going to have to happen because uh, now in my area, it's a little bit different. I'm not going to name political parties, but um, if you're in an area that's predominantly, uh, let's say, Democrat, and you've got a lot of members, you're going to be very hesitant to speak out on these issues that they are standing for. Um, so I think the fear of man is playing a role. And again, I'm not political, uh, biblical, like you are. Uh, but there is a, if there's not becoming a, a line of demarcation in the future, I don't know what is. I think if you just saw on Fox yesterday, uh, they, are, they are proposing to remove the pledge, so help me God, uh, under, under, under the, one of the House committees. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. And and look, there has been uh, I I am personally registered as an independent. I voted Republican based in a number of elections because of the platforms. Uh, some candidates I did with reluctance. Some I was tempted to sit out entirely, but but then voted. But uh, the platforms have been starkly different. And the Democrat platform really, in many ways, was an anti-God platform, has been increasingly so and an anti-Israel platform, and an, an anti-life platform, and an anti-marriage platform as God intended it. So none of this is a surprise. I don't put my trust in the political party. I don't put my trust in the Republican Party. But you can see that things are going in very, very different directions. And again, to, to be political, that to me would be every Sunday 
you're getting up and you're talking about President Obama this or President Trump this or the Congress this or that would be political or the Democrats this, the Republicans. And that's the main sermon. But to talk about rescuing babies from being pulled apart limb by limb or, 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 or being delivered with their feet first and, and having a scissor stuck through the base of the skull to suck the brains out so the head collapses, to say that that's not related to the gospel, that that's not related to justice, mercy, and faithfulness, which Jesus tells us we should major on, then I don't know what is what issue is related to the gospel. And when Jesus says, make sure you don't cause one of these little ones to stumble, how about slaughter one of these little ones? All right, we'll, we'll talk about meeting with God. We'll be right back with Pastor Shane Eidelman, tell you how you can connect with him when we come back. Why are the pulpits so silent? The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get into the Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Welcome, friends, to the Line of Fire. Michael Brown here, your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. If you haven't watched our video, Why Don't More Pastors Speak Out? We address these very issues, and some of the things my guest, Pastor Shane Eidelman, mentioned uh, he, uh, we reference these on the video as well. I'll tell you more about that later. But, but I tweeted this out yesterday uh, to all my friends in leadership and ministry. Better to lose your financial support than to lose your integrity or even your soul. Better to lose your popularity than to lose your heavenly backing. And we link then to the video, Why Don't More Pastors Speak Out, which you can watch on our website, sdrbrown.org, or on our YouTube channel. And in the video, we, we reference polls done by George Barna, where he asked pastors, does the Bible address the critical moral and cultural issues of the day? Yes. Do you use the Bible to address the critical moral issues of the day? No. 90%? No. Why not? Fear of losing people, fear of losing finances, fear of losing influence. More recently, some have said not knowing what to say. My guest, Pastor Shane Eidelman, is saying that is a completely worldly perspective but, but Shane, isn't isn't it true that a lot of our church growth seminars and and successful church ministry models basically tell you how to succeed outwardly and get growth, get financing, get favor, rather than how to get divine backing? Absolutely, and I'm going to use a word here you're very familiar with: uh, spirit led. Uh, we yeah. need to get back to that time of spending time with God, being led of the Spirit, filled up, filled with the Spirit the spirit of boldness and direction and guidance. And, you know, what the what man chooses to build the church is not going to look like what God does. Uh, and, and, you know, sometimes you got to wreck a life before God rebuilds it. And it's that hard preaching sometimes with the, with the, the heart of love that will really make a difference. Uh, and before I forget, if I can go back really to that question, um, yeah, yeah. the last segment, when we get emails, people saying, you know, the church shouldn't be political. We have to remember that 90% of these are coming from what we would consider liberal people. Uh-huh. Uh, they, they, they'll put, they'll put uh, funding on, they'll, they'll mock Trump for the wall, but they say nothing about abortion and gay marriage. So their pri- priorities are way out of sync. Uh, if everything's a priority, nothing is. 
So when you speak out against cultural issues, they're convicted and they don't like it. So they say you need to not preach politics in the pulpit. So a lot of it's coming from that that inner conviction of uh, of what God is doing. But you're right. When you look at okay, if I say this, if I, you know what we need to do? There's a good book out there. I'm sure you've read it a hundred years ago. Samuel Chadwick. It says the pastor who threw his sermons in the fire and received the fire of the Holy Spirit. That's mm-hmm. what a lot of these pastors need to start doing. We need to stop looking at demographics and surveys and our numbers, and we need to start spending time with God so we're filled with the Spirit of God, so we can preach with boldness and authority and brokenness and humility and see lives really change and to speak out on these issues. I mean, that's how America is really going to change is another spiritual awakening. Yeah, and and obviously God sends it, and it has to be grassroots and touch people everywhere, but so much of the time it will come through the pulpit will come through the leaders as, as we get revived, as we get empowered, as the fire burns in us, then we are able, by God's grace, to help light fires in the hearts and minds of others. And it is interesting, you know, the people talk about separation of church and state, but then they'll have no problem in a liberal church, you know, getting political every single week. That That's okay. It's conservative politics that, that have to be kept out of the pulpit. But let's let's go back to the responsibility of the pastor shepherd to meet with God and your own life. Do you look at it that you have a job? Your job is that you're a pastor and you negotiate a certain salary to be the pastor. And maybe if that doesn't work, you'll, you'll find a position at another church. Do you relate to ministry in that way? Or, or is that foreign to your thinking? Yeah, it doesn't even enter my mindset. My mindset really is what God's called me to do. You know, he put a, he's put a call on, on pastors, and D. Martin Lloyd-Jones wrote a great book, Preachers and Preaching, yeah. many years ago that talks about you, you have to have that call of God upon your life. Uh, it was interesting, um, you know, 100 years ago, they wouldn't ask what seminary you went to. They would ask, has he received his baptism of fire? Mm. Has, he been, has he been radically transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit? And then from that, that's how you lead a church. So, no, I look at his calling, what, what God's called me to do, and what he's called most pastors to do, they forget it's not just a shepherd. It's actually a watchman. Uh, there's, a, there's a multitasking that has to take place. You yeah. know, you preach the difficult truths and the wonderful truths. You preach heaven, you preach hell. You preach grace, but you preach righteousness. And, and you have to find that balance, and it only comes through the prayer closet. Uh, and, and, and pastors, I think, are so busy that we are losing that intimacy from yeah. God. And it's that's really great... where powerful sermons come from. You know this. It... I'm preaching to the choir. Yeah, but it's, but... The, it's the great challenge. You know, I, I tell Absolutely. our students at our ministry school, the greatest challenge you're going to have as God blesses your ministry is maintaining quality time alone with God. I, I tell people the great challenge in my own life always is not producing material. Doing is easier than being. And being with God Everything flows out of that. And that, that's why I've, I've asked these questions. Know your heart to help challenge others. And by the way, just looking at some of our, our running chat on our live YouTube feed, one, uh, one individual, I forget if it was a man or woman, posted that there is, they, were, they heard a pastor talking about a website you can go to, and you basically find out maybe you can get a, a more lucrative position. You can you know, shop around and see where your services can, can be used better. I mean, I for the life of me, can't relate to that. Sure, people should be compensated and cared for, but you don't go into ministry uh, to make a living or to get rich. You go into ministry because you're called and burdened 
And, and then when it's taking all your time, God, God meets those needs. So you're able to give yourself to, to the body. But with all this, someone could say to you, okay, you pray, you fast, you cry out to God. What are you actually seeing happen? Are you seeing lives changed? Are you seeing people transformed? Obviously, you're not going to see all of California saved overnight, but are you seeing for, are you seeing people coming in to your meetings? They're captive, they're bound, they're enslaved, and now you can look back six months, a year, two years later, and these people are living transformed lives? Well, the short answer is without a shadow of a doubt. And I should even back up a little bit before that. A lot of, a lot of people don't know this about me. Uh, I, I struggle with this, dyslexia, learning disability, speech impediment. I barely gradu- graduate high school with a 1.8. Uh, no college education, no seminary, uh, but I once I committed my life to the Lord, I just became a ferocious reader, Christian biography, systematic theology, and all those all those things, and read and read and read and read. Uh, Jack Hayford, John MacArthur, Calvinism, Armenianism, and, and just you know just tried to just uh, take up the Word of God, and that's really where a lot of this uh, comes from is is um, spending that time with God. So I saw him take a country boy uh, from a small town. Uh, just just unload this this boldness, and then from that came books. From that came the church about eight years ago with ten people, and we're not a mega church in regard to attendance, but we're a mega church in regard to audience. Thirty, forty, fifty thousand uh, people listening per month. We just purchased four radio stations here in Southern California, but practically inside the church, absolutely, we have we're not in a hurry. Uh, sermons can go an hour. Worship can go 30 minutes, 40 minutes, an hour. It can run into the next service. Our prayer rooms are often full. We see people being delivered from alcohol, opiates, uh, marriages being restored, prodigal sons coming home. Tons. I mean, it's just it's just overwhelming. We started a, a ministry inside of hospital homes. We go visit these small homes uh, where there's four, five, six patients. Now we're up to, there were six hospital homes. We're back down to four. They estimated over 300 salvations just in those homes. And so we're seeing just the fruit is incredible. With that, though, comes demonic oppression uh, and challenges and spiritual attacks. And that's why that time with God in the morning, again, from that book by D. Martin Lloyd-Jones, I'll never forget a highlight. I try to read it once a year. He said, you have to, whatever happens, you have to safeguard your morning. So that means I try to go to bed early without the media on my mind. I want the, the gospel on my mind, and I get up early in the morning and hungry for God. It's not perfect, and I don't want people to feel bit beat up, but we have to start adjusting our lifestyle where God becomes the priority. Put him on the front burner, not the back burner. Mm. And, and you do see the fruit of it. Sometimes uh, the deeper we plant, the longer it takes to reap, but then what we reap lasts uh, a lifetime. I was just with a church in Vero Beach, Florida, fairly new church, and it's grown in a few years to about 600 people, and it's in a small community in Florida, but there's a tremendous emphasis on prayer and fasting and crying out to God. So the, the church starts with what's called the Daniel fast, so no meats or sweets, kind of kind of in you know, my lifestyle, maybe your lifestyle now also, but it starts with that the first three weeks, encouraging folks to fast and then do water fast and other things during it, and then 50 or 100 people are gathering every morning or early in the morning to pray and seek God. So I was there at the end of the three weeks and the final Sunday night, and God was moving and people were gripped and, and Jesus was being exalted. And, and we just smiled and thought, that's what happens when you cry out, when you get desperate. Hey, we've got a minute before the break. I'd like to, to keep you on to focus in on abortion, but just one minute. Is it too late for America or do you believe God could send another great awakening? 
I, I believe like you do. I believe that uh, second grade or third or fourth, wherever we're at, a, a spiritual awakening, uh, and you do a great job on your video. You quote leaders of the past who said there's no hope. Uh, was that Marshall, one of the... Uh, yeah, yeah. Chief Je- you know, there, there's no hope for America. We're just going down, and, and you see God bringing a Wesley and a Whitfield and, and, and Edwards, and, and you see that, that revival fire. So I'm very hopeful, but I'm very serious that this is not a good direction to be going, but I'm very hopeful that God can bring another spiritual awakening. And uh, where should folks go? Uh, what's the best website to connect with you? Oh, it's just easy. It's Shane Eidelman. Dot com. That's shaneidleman.com. You can find us at westsidechristianfellowship.org. That's a bit longer, westsidechristianfellowship.org. And uh, we'd love to connect. Maybe we can even touch base on just for a second on that fasting, what you experienced. Yeah, Florida. yeah, we'll, we'll do it. We'll come back. We'll talk about fasting and prayer. And I'm going to give you a prophetic principle from the book of Joel that I think is really going to help you. We'll be right back as we talk about the silent pulpit with Pastor Shane Eidelman. That's I-D-L-E-M-A-N. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. There is an interesting passage in the book of Joel, the second chapter, which for me, for many years, has given insight in terms of praying for revival and awakening. And in the passage, there's a call for repentance, a call to weep between the the porch and the altar, the temple, and the, the Lord says, and the prophet says through, for the Lord, who knows? Maybe he'll turn and forgive and, and leave behind a blessing. And as I studied that passage many years ago, I remember reading one commentator who said, if you just say, cry out to God, he'll forgive and have mercy, then you become complacent, like, ah, he's going to forgive anyway. If you say there's no hope, it's all over, then you're discouraged from even trying. But if you say, cry out to the Lord, he's merciful and compassionate, perhaps he'll spare us, that brings urgency. There's hope, and there's urgency. That's what moves us to pray and fast. I'm speaking with Pastor Shane Eidelman of Westside Christian Fellowship in Southern California. We're talking about the silent pulpit, and a steady message from Shane has been, you must meet with God, you must meet with God, leaders must meet with God, you must meet with God. And prayer and fasting play an essential role. It's not legalism. It is relationship. And out of that, we see fruit. So, Shane, what about fasting? What role does that play either corporately, individually, when it comes to spiritual renewal and awakening? Well, it's actually funny we're talking about this because tonight I'm speaking on what Jesus said about fasting. And people can watch it live on Facebook at Shane Eidelman. uh, Shane Eidelman on Facebook. Um, But fasting we see throughout history is a spiritual discipline. And it's not really anything about legalism, like you said. What you're doing is you're starving the flesh. So you're starved with the flesh to be filled with the Spirit of God. Um, so it's, it's something that it's, it's not easy. That's why a lot of people don't like to do it. And what you do, though, is not only the, the, physical, the spiritual benefits, I like to also encourage people on the physical benefits, because anytime you do something spiritually, there are physical benefits as well, but that would be a whole other se- segment. But fasting 
shows that desperation, like the Scripture you yeah. just read. How desperate am I? Am I desperate enough to say, I'm go- not going to give up? I'm going to give up food to seek God. And really, it's bringing the flesh into submission, because we don't realize how controlling the flesh can be. What do we eat when we get up? What do we have to have this drink from Starbucks? We have to have this. We have to have this. And this really silences the voice of the flesh, so you can better understand and hear the voice of God. Yeah, and and one thing that I've seen with fasting is that you're generally conscious of the fact that you're fasting. And if you fast long enough, you get to a point where, where you know, there's no hunger of any kind and, and you're aware that you're not eating, but it's, it's, you're, you're not feeling as much. But generally speaking, when we fast, we're aware of the fact that we're not eating. And to me, Shane, it feels like a constant prayer, even when I'm not praying, that there's this constant awareness of God. I'm desperate for a breakthrough. God, we need to see you heal this one. God, this one's lost. And, and if you don't have mercy on them, they're going to die that it's our, our body in that sense crying out the whole time to God. And it is, it's the ultimate thing we can do, you know, to say we're not eating or we're not drinking because we're desperate for the breakthrough. And God does respond. It's not always like snap your fingers and you, you press the button and you see the results. But not only does it crucify the flesh and ultimately bring us into fresh encounters with God, but that's where the big breakthroughs tend to take place. So you, you hate have to go through certain things, but we also know that without crucifixion, there's no resurrection. Oh, absolutely. And, and often you'll see throughout Scripture, God basically says, how bad do you want it? You yeah. know, if you seek me, you will find me. And you know that word, seek better than I do in the Hebrew. It's a bakash, it's a strong, you know, seeking like you lost your child, you know, in a mall. How would you seek? You wouldn't be hungry anymore. You, your whole focus would be on finding that child. Same thing with God. How bad do you want a relationship with me? Are you going to put away these things, or do you have to have your coffee and your donuts? Do you have to have this food? Can you, can, you, can you take some time and just seek me with all of your heart? So usually, you know, anytime it comes to this issue, there's a cost to pay. There's a cost to truly know God. There's a cost to pay in that telling your flesh no and wanting in that desire to be filled with God's Spirit. Yeah, the, the fact is, though, the rewards of God's presence— Always worth. Oh. Look, I've al- I've always said, you never hear someone say, "Man, I can't believe I wasted a night meeting with God in prayer," or "I can't believe I said no to the flesh and fasted." But never. how many times do you hear someone say, "Man, I, I was going to pray last night and I ended up instead playing video games. I can't believe it," or "I was really planning to fast and ended up pigging out." We always regret it when we feed the flesh. We don't regret it when we say no to the flesh and feed the spirit. And yet there are health benefits, which are, which are great and wonderful, but the spiritual benefits just extraordinary. All right. There's footage, Shane, that, that we posted on Facebook. I probably viewed maybe a hundred thousand times by now. I'm not sure. We posted last night. It is beyond sick. There's a woman, a legislator in Virginia, and she's, she's presenting a bill that would allow abortions until the moment of birth. So for uh, alleged mental health. So a woman could say, yeah, it's going to be troubling to me. I'm going to be depressed if I have the baby. I'm I'm not going to be able to handle it. She's dilating already. Okay. And they could determine to abort the baby. Now you're not even talking about say a three month old baby that can't live outside of the womb. Right. Or a seventh month old baby that maybe it can survive outside the womb or not. You're talking about, 
a 100% perfectly viable bagel, just like New York law, right, up until the day of delivery. Now, it was defeated in, in Virginia, but this is absolute madness. When, when you wrote your article about abortion, and here it's, it's not just, okay, we made the decision, we feel it's necessary, but we know it's difficult. No, people cheering for it. I wrote an article saying the only explanation is bloodlust. It, there's no other explanation for, for the cheering and celebrating this. What, what was on your heart when you felt you had to give expression to this burden as a pastor, as a shepherd here in America? Well, when we first heard it, me and my wife were at home. I'll never forget, you know, we just sat in silence for what seemed like an hour. Um, and I just, I just felt, you know, I, I need to say something, especially like you said, the thunderous applause. Um, and to me, this is really an indication of how far America has drifted. We've not only lost our moral compass, like Jude says, that their, their conscience has been seared with a hot iron. I mean, this is calling good evil and evil good. This is, this is just to, to say that, you know, that, that God's judgment is not, uh, you know, coming is just, you know, mind-boggling that people don't see how deep and depraved we have become. So that was my heart. It was first out of a heart of, of not anger, but of just tremendous sadness, just a tremendous burden. And sometimes that's what Fox News asked me, why such a, you know, thunder supplies we can murder our children at nine months? Well, sometimes you need a strong rebuttal. If, you're, if they're going to do that and, 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 and come, come, with, come out with that legislation, then I think there needs to be a strong rebuttal in love, of course, not with arrogance, but to, to start calling these people to task and to, to respond in a very strong manner. So I was just heartbroken. I know the people at our, our church were. Um, but again, the liberal Christians were not upset. I mean, it just amazes me. Oh, yeah, it's a big deal. You know, the mom, you know, there's loopholes in it. And, but what about this wall? <laughs> I mean, it's just amazing just how, how off-centered we've become. Yeah, it, it, is, it is remarkable. And, you know, when, when people want to blame all the problems now on Donald Trump, well, people are leaving the church because evangelical Christians voted for Donald Trump. First, they were leaving the church long before Donald Trump ran for office. In fact, there have been trends of younger people dropping out of church for the last 30 years, as I documented in a recent article. And then secondly, the churches that are losing the most young people are the liberal churches, the so-called progressive churches, and the churches that are thriving, that are growing, that are seeing people's lives really transformed are the Bible-preaching churches. It's always contrary to what the world says. So-called progressive Christians want to be like the world to win the favor of the world, and they have their reward when they do that because they will not have the favor of God. Those, yeah, a, with, those with love and brokenness pursue the favor of God and do things His way. We, we don't win the world by becoming like the world. We win the world by becoming like Jesus. Those are the ones that will have divine blessing. And as we preach Christ crucified, that's when the power of God is released. Oh, you're absolutely right. And I think the big confusion around our current administration is that we are not voting for people or parties. We're voting for principles. What is this person going to leave for the next generation? Are they going to try to put Bibles back in school? Are they going to uh, take a stance on gay marriage, transgenders in the military, uh, abortion? I mean, we look at these huge, these things have huge moral implications. Uh, and and I, I'm convinced. You know, I might get in trouble for saying this, but if Jesus Christ was running for office, I think these same people would reject him. 
see, they don't like what we stand for. We don't, they don't like we stand for, for purity and holiness and return to God. That's, what, that's the elephant in the room uh, that, that not a lot of the media wants to talk about. This is truly a battle between good and evil, truth and error, right and wrong. And, you know, that's, that's it, it, political party and elections aren't going to really do it. It's going to be, like you said, a spiritual awakening that reignites. I mean, where's this passion for, for the things of God? Where's this brokenness and humility in the churches? I mean, I'm, 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 I'm getting, you know, people are asking me about uh, what I think about this or that, but a lot of these churches are getting their services down to an hour, one hour service. You know, people, people, you know, they're in a hurry, Shane. We've got to relate to them. No, if you're filled with the Spirit of God and God's drawing them, you can have a three-hour service. Oh, yeah. You and know, look, I have... I've, I've been there, done it in the midst of the Brownsville oh, Revival. Absolutely. You know, we were four or five nights a week, five, six, seven hours a night, and then additional meetings in the day. And people literally stood online 12 hours waiting to get into a meeting. So, so that means all day, all night, little sleep, get back out. And they, they came from around the world because God was moving. And I've seen it. I've seen it around the world. I've seen it in America. I've seen it with young. I've seen it with old. When God is really moving, when people are really encountering him, when they are really meeting the exalted Jesus, when the Holy Spirit is really convicting of sin and delivering from sin, people will come flocking and and people will stay. In fact, you know, just meetings over the weekend, each service, and, and we're not, wasn't full-blown revival, but just God moving. It was interesting that people didn't want to go at night. We could have just gone on. And the other things will fall by the wayside, the sports, the entertainment addictions, the other things when, when we're encountering God. All right, I've got one more segment with, with Pastor Shane. I, I want to talk about the lost. I want to talk about a culture of unbelief, how to reach out, how to make a difference. Be encouraged, friends. God's moving, and he is listening Attentively to your prayer. It's the line of fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Get into the line of fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Welcome back, friends, to the line of fire. I concluded some decades ago that in the American church, we don't believe certain things that we say that we believe. We may talk about people being lost. We may talk about judgment to come. We may talk about certain spiritual realities, but for the most part, they don't really hit us very superficial. When they really hit us, that's intense. Everything then changes. My guest, Pastor Shane Eidelman, if you're in Southern California, check out Westside Christian Fellowship. Join in on uh, online. Again, I, I, did I say Westside Christian Fellowship instead of church? Sorry about that. No, it's uh, good, yeah. Okay, but tonight uh, on Facebook, Pastor Shane is going to be talking about fasting. So tune in. Watch this. I believe you'll be stirred. I believe because he does this as lifestyle that the grace on him will also touch you. So that's Shane Eidelman, I-D-L-E-M-A-N on Facebook. Shane, brutally honest question. Do you think 
that most of us in the church in the West really believe that lost people are lost, that we, we really come to grips with that? You know, I, like you said, it, intellectually I think we do, but it's not until God does that deep work in your heart where you're just filled with His Spirit, and that's where the brokenness comes from, the humility, the desire to witness, and that's why I don't know what the current statistics are, but you've seen those on how many people are actually witnessing in the yeah. church. Yeah. I don't, Five percent? I don't. I mean, it's just so alarming. The Southern Baptist did a uh, uh, survey, and I'm sure it filters in all churches. But it goes back to what we said initially: people need to fully surrender their lives to God and be filled with His Spirit. It's from that work of the Spirit that's where you're going to go out and minister. That's where you're going to pray all night for your prodigal son. That's where you're going to have the desire to fast. That's where you're going to lead somebody to the Lord in the shopping center or at the mall. So most people are just not walking in that that fullness of the Spirit. That's why they're bored during worship. That's why the Bible is boring. That's why they'll go to church. I think the new trend now is twice a month. Uh, it went from, you know, once three times three times a month to now twice a month and sports and, and all these things are, are taking center stage. And so that's really what's happening. You can't really force people to go and witness. You've got to do this. You've got to do this. You've got to do this. It comes from a relationship of people being filled with God's Spirit. And and Shane, as is, is you've done debates interacted with with atheists and things like that obviously the holy spirit can touch anyone and get to the heart and just quoting a verse can pierce the heart but as as you have also interacted in debate setting with atheists or or reached out to young people if you just had to give one principle one truth that you feel is really helpful to get an atheist to think or to push back against their worldview where would you start well, it's funny you said that, because on this topic of, of fasting, I wrote a book, Feasting and Fasting, What Works, What Doesn't, and Why. It's a free download, actually, on our website. I actually, maybe God's, you know, different callings, but I look at how we were designed, how we were created. I've sat down with, a, he's a Ph.D. here at a local college, and, and they just can't understand the different sexes, how God created uh, when autophagy takes place during fasting, and how the body was made. The it just There's no way a person can look at the human body, the, the skeletal system, the nerves, the, the blood the blood vessels, and come away with, there has to be a creator. Um, and usually just, you know, talking to them, and, and a lot of them are angry at God. It's ironic, you know, there's supposedly no God, but they're angry at God, angry at Christians. And, and so you really just listen. Um, so I don't know if that's what you're looking for, but the nugget, I, I, the, what I would share with people is I, I seek to listen and to try to see where they're coming from, and then just bring the truths of God's Word uh, into their life. And Maybe I'll look at it a little bit differently. I don't think we need to, to back away from God's Word and you know, be seeker-sensitive and not mention the Bible. You know, It's lost its luster. No, it hasn't. The authority is still there. It's still living. It's still powerful. It's the Word of God. It's sharper than any, any double-edged sword. So I just look to the Word of God and, and look to the situations that God puts me in and, and try to use wisdom there. Yeah, and, and friends, your own life experience sometimes is your best Absolutely. starting point. And, and then just loving people, caring for people, getting involved in their lives. And if, if they raise an issue, you don't have an answer for it. So that's a great question. I'm, I'm, I don't have the answer for it, but I'm going to get the answer for you, as opposed to being defensive or afraid to, you know, I'm afraid to talk to this one. They may raise an issue I'm not aware of. Great. The others of us have done the hard work there, and I go to people who've done the hard work where I haven't done it, and we learn from them and we come up with the answers. But the key thing is, if we know the Lord, we can make Him known. If we're walking with Him, we can introduce others 
to him. Friends, visit ShaneEidelman.com. Check out the resources there. Download the, the free book, Feasting or Fasting, and visit his Facebook page tonight as he teaches on fasting. Borf, there's ever been a time where we needed to give ourselves to fasting and prayer in America. It's right now. Hey, God bless you, man. You're an example to many. Keep strong and keep lifting up Jesus. Thank you as well. Thank you for the opportunity. My, my joy, my joy. Hey, friends, let me just speak with you from my heart for a moment here. Obviously, I didn't take any calls today. I wanted to devote all time to our guest. But we are here on the front lines, as you know. We very seriously, as a team, are given to the things we talk about on the radio and the things that we put out in articles and in books and on videos and in social media form. This is not a profession for us. This is not a job. This is not a business. This is our life. When, when people ask, where do I work? What do I do for a job? It's always an odd question to me. You know, when I'm traveling, people say, is this business a pleasure? I said, I'm in ministry. It's, it's always a joy. Yeah, there's pressure, there are challenges, there are difficulties, there's opposition to overcome. We're on our faces, on our knees for, for many different reasons. And at the same time, it is a life calling and it is a joy and it is a privilege. I don't go to work. Yeah, we have an office building. We have a studio, but I don't, I don't go to work. That's not how I look. I'm doing the work of ministry. So get home from radio and maybe spend time with Nancy and have my salad for dinner. And then, okay, time to write or time to go teach a class or time to do an online outreach or time to get on a plane, go somewhere to minister. That's the, it's a joy and it's a privilege. I say that from my heart to say to you, I am not here as some slick, fundraising, manipulative televangelist using the word in a derogatory way, the way it's been used. I'm not here with any of that. Yeah, we're on Christian TV, and you're on Christian radio. And there are plenty of fine people who are, and there are some charlatans who are. I'm not here as some slick, manipulating guy saying, if you'll send us money right now, the Lord has said he'll send you this back. No, no gimmicks, no games. Just to say to you, together we're making a difference. This is not a one-man show. I don't just mean that I have a team, the Ask Dr. Brown team. I don't mean that. I mean what we do, we do with your help. What we do, we do with your prayer support. I just saw someone posting on a YouTube video where people had attacked me and I was reaching back out to them in love. And this person said, well, what do your attackers say of the fact that you helped me come out of homosexuality and transgenderism? And it was your message of repentance spoken with love that helped me come out. Friends, we are seeing people change through the power of the gospel. As I travel uh, to, to Israel, God willing, tomorrow night, Thursday night, as I travel there to get to Israel a day before our, our, our tour group arrives, uh, we are getting the message of the gospel out in Hebrew in Israel with Hebrew translation in Israel, to, to religious Jews and to others. And I got a call from an Orthodox Jew in Brooklyn on Wednesday night, and he was listening to our outreach show in New York City, the Real Masabi. He said, oh, I followed you online for years. An Orthodox Jew doesn't believe what we believe. Followed me online for years and, and now heard me on the radio in his city, decided to call in. 
we're making a difference by God's grace, but we could really use your help and your support. So I want to urge you to become a torchbearer, to join us as a monthly supporter. One dollar or more per day. Is our ministry worth that to you? One dollar or more per day. Thirty dollars or more per month to stand with us. For some of you, that's a leap of faith. For others, it's easily done, or you could do two or three times that. Join with us. We'll send you as a thank you gift a beautiful Tree of Life Bible, Messianic Jewish translation that I participated in. We'll send you that as our thank you gift. Every month, we'll send you a new audio message that I've preached. Every month, we give you access to online classes we've done, video and audio. Every month, you have a 15% discount in our online bookstore. We have exclusive material on our digital library that's available to torch bearers, to our monthly supporters. And we also send you a prayer newsletter, and an insider newsletter with new developments and special praise reports. So we pour back into you, but we could really use your help. So would you join our team today? I would love to welcome you as I travel around the country and around the world. It's one of my great joys when folks come up and say, I'm a torchbearer. They're saying, hey, I, I am taking my hard-earned money and and, and that's, that's your hours, that's your time, that's your work, that's your sweat, that's your tears, so to say, that your hard-earned money, and it could go a lot of other places. And in many cases, you're saying sacrificially, I want to invest in what you're doing. And I'm telling you, when you do, it amplifies what we're doing. It enables us, with our dedicated, hardworking team, to put out more material, to touch more lives, to do it even more effectively, to see even greater and greater results. And here's what I can assure you. I can't guarantee you that if you give now, you're going to have a new car waiting for you. Support our ministry, and there'll be a Porsche in your driveway tomorrow. But I can guarantee you, you will share in the reward. You will share in the reward of souls being saved and lives being changed. God will bless you with a smile here and in the world to come. AskDrBrown.org, ASKDRBrown.org. Click on Donate. Thank you for joining us.